With Hashem Salt, we're learning today Soita Daf Hei. We left off on Daf Hei Yomadal of three lines from the top. We are in the middle of discussing the detrimental effects of being haughty, of haughtiness, of arrogance. We started out with a statement in the name of Rabbi Yechanan on Daf Daladamad Beis that called Adam Shiyesh by Gasa Saruach. If a person is arrogant, then God forbid, Lebasoif Nichshal Beesish Ish. That that person will end up or might end up falling, stumbling, having a relation with a married woman. The Gemara went on to say that whoever has gasu saruach, that person is it's tantamount to serving idol worship. Ultimately, the Gemara said that whoever is arrogant, that person himself is tantamount to being a bama, a bama meaning Rashi says a avodah and then the Gemara said that whoever has arrogance, that person will never be protected from the punishment of, of Gehenim. So says the Gemara, Where do we find in the Torah a warning regarding a person not being arrogant? In other words, as the Maharsha points out, that there is a rule called that Hashem doesn't punish a person only if that person was first forewarned. And even when we're speaking about a punishment in the hands of Hashem, when we're speaking about Dina Shal Gehinoim, there also we have to have that rule that the person can only be punished if they were warned. So where do we find in the Torah or in Tanakh a warning not to be a Gas Ruach, Amarava, in the name of Ziri? And he's quoting a Pasuk in Yirmiyam. And there it says, Shimu, listen, Vaha'azinu, and be attentive. Al tigbohu, do not raise yourself, meaning do not be arrogant. Rav Nachman by Yitzchak says, I have a pasuk from the Chamishi from the Chumshe However, in the Chumish, he's going to quote from Chumish Devarim, from Parshas Ekev, there isn't one pasuk that directly says, do not be arrogant. But the pasuk, he quotes a pasuk in Ekev. And there it says, that's in Pedek Ches, in pasuk Yudalid, it says, that if a person is going to have a hoary heart, that person will forget about God. And it says in a few verses prior to this one, it says in the same Pedic and Pasekud Aleph, he shomer take care, pen, tishkach, es Hashem, lest you forget Hashem, your God. And Uchederebi Oven in the name of Rabbi Law. That Rab Ovin, in the name of Rabbi Law, says that Kol Mokim Shenemar Hishamar, whenever the Torah uses the word take care, Hishamar, or and whenever the Torah uses the words pen, lest, or if the Torah uses the words va'al, do not, it's as if the Torah says do not do X, Y, and Z. So the Torah is saying that take care, pen, don't forget Hashem. And later it says that if a person will be arrogant, that would lead them to forget about God. So it's as if Hashem is saying in one verse together, don't be arrogant, which will make you forget about Hashem. Actually, you can argue that the real argument between the first opinion, whether we quote a Pasik from Yirmiya, or whether we quote the Pesukim here from the Torah, is to what is the root cause of forgetting about God. So don't forget that in Chumash Devarim, the first Pasik is, don't forget about God. That's in Pasik 11. In Pasik 14, 
There Hashem says regarding don't be arrogant. So is it that if a person is arrogant, that is the root sin and that causes them to forget about God? And if that is the case, then the commandment is don't be arrogant. That's the Pasuk from Yirmiyo. Or you can say the opposite. That after a person forgets about God, then they're able to be arrogant. Because if a person never forgot about Hashem, how can they be arrogant? So the root is forgetting about Hashem. And that's the Pasuk in the Vodim, that first in Pasuk Yud Aleph, we speak about not forgetting about Hashem, and then we speak about not being arrogant. Darosh Rabavira, Rabavira expounded. And as we learned yesterday, sometimes he said the following statement in the name of Rav Asi, and Vizimnin, he said the following statement in the name of Rav Ami. Just to point out that yesterday, on Davdal Damad Beis, the order was the opposite. There the Gemara said that Rabavira expounded certain homiletical teachings. Sometimes he said it in the name of Rav Ami, and then the Gemara says Rav Asi. And perhaps it's to make it clear that it wasn't about who was his greater teacher, but as we explained yesterday, that whenever he quoted the, a different author, he heard it from both of them. It depended on who he was speaking to. So when he spoke to, when he spoke to Talmidei Rav Ami, he told him the statement in the name of Rav Ami. When he spoke to Talmidei Rav Asi, he said it in the name of Rav Asi. And what did he say? That kol adam shiesh that any person who was hori, at the end, that person will be diminished. as it says, that that if a person is going to raise himself up, then ma'at, the person will become small, the person will become diminished. And if you would say, okay, the person will be diminished by the divine providence of life, but the person will still be. Talmud the Pasik goes on to say, that if the person won't do tshuva after getting diminished, the person will still remain arrogant, then ve'einenu, then that person will be gone. However, ve'im chazarboi, but if the person will do tshuva, then ne'esov bizmanoi, that person will be gathered. Being gathered is a toira expression of passing away. The person will be gathered not before his time because of his arrogance, but the person will be gathered bizmanoi, he'll be gathered on the right time, on his destined time to pass away. Like all of the patriarchs, Ka'avram Avinu, like we find by Avram Avinu, Shunemar, that it says regarding him, that v'humchu, that if a person will be crushed, if a person is going to be humbled, if a person is going to do tshuva, so then, kekoil yikavtsum, the person will jump, will leap in joy, like all of those upon whom the word koil is written. If a person will do tshuva, then the person will jump to joy, the person will live a long life, as we find by Avraham and by Yitzchak and by Yaakov. And the word koil was written by all of them. As the Gemara says, Ka'avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Dechsivbuhu, Ba'koil, Mikoil, Koil. Interestingly, by Avram Avinu we have the Pasuk that Ba'avram, Zakan Baba Yonin, Ba'Hashem, Be'rechaz Avraham, Bakoil. Bakoil literally means Hashem blessed him with everything. Even though really we learned there Chumash Rashi, we learned together in the Gemara, he might have had a daughter that was called Bakoil. But in, we have the word Bakoil by Avraham. By Yitzchak it says that after he gave Yaakov the blessings, and then Esav walked in, so it says, Vayacharad Yitzchak Charada, Gedoyla Admaoid, etc., etc. And he told his son Esav that Vayachal Mikoil Beterem Tavoy. 
that I already ate from everything before you came. And and I blessed them already. And then Yitzchak added, but that's where we have the word Mikoil. And by Yaakov Avinu, when he was telling Esau to take his gifts, when he was asking Esau to take his gifts, he told him that Hashem blessed me with everything. He told him, etc. Because ki yashli koil. So if a person will be humbled, then he's going to leap like everyone upon whom the word koil is written, like Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. However, if a person doesn't do tshuva, then uchiroish shibayleis yimalu. The word yimalu means to be snapped off, similar to abrismila, he'll be cut off, that this person will be snapped like the head of a stalk. What's the meaning? He'll be snapped off. He'll be cut down like the head of a stalk. So an argument. One of them say that the head of the stalk refers like the beard of a stalk. On stalks of grain, on their very top, you have very light, very thin pieces of uh, shaft that goes up and it gives the appearance of a beard. Now they get blown off by the wind. Or the other one says, no, not that they'll be humbled, they'll be cut down by, by Hashem through Hashgacha Pratis, like the beard of the stalk, but like the stalk themselves that are cut down during the harvest. In other words, either they're going to be gently humbled or they're going to be uh, aggressively humbled. Says the Gemara Bishlam, the one that interprets in reference to what we call the beard of the stalk, the little pieces of shaft on top of the stalks that get blown away with the wind. That's why the Pasuk uses the words that the person will be yimalu, the person is going to be snapped off, cut down like the head of, like the beard of. But if the Pasuk is referring to the person will be cut down, the stalk will be cut. You don't cut the stalk from the top, you cut the stalk from the bottom. So why does it say like the head of the stalk? So to this, Amar Avasi, and V'chein, and likewise we learned in a Braisa, in a Tana, that was learned in the Yeshiva of Rabbi Yishmael, that that this is, a, to understand this, let's use an analogy of a person who's walking into his field. The person takes a look. The stalks that are the highest are the stalks that the person will cut down the first. So likewise, Kaviyachal, when Hashem looks at the people, the ones who are the tallest, they're the ones that Hashem takes back to him the first. So that's the meaning back of the Pasuk in Eov, that Roimu Ma'at, that if a person will be hori, he'll be diminished, and if he won't do tshuva, so then he's going to be Einenu, then Hashem is going to take him first, because he was sticking up. Don't stick up, don't stick out. You won't be noticed first, and you'll be let, you'll be left to live here for a longer amount of time. Continues the Gemara, according to Pasuk in Yeshaya, the Pasuk starts with the words that Maraim v'kadosh eshkain, that Hashem is exalted, and Hashem is holy. And eshkain, Hashem dwells, now literally it means Hashem dwells in a lofty and holy place. But we'll see later that perhaps the word eshkain goes on this part of the verse. And then the passage continues, with the despondent and with the lowly of spirit. 
So Rav Huna and Rav Chizda, again, the same two Amirayim, an argument as to how to interpret this Pasuk. Chad Amir, one of them says that the word Eshkoin, Iti, Daka. Hashem is saying that I dwell, Maraim, I dwell above, and who dwells with me above, the one who is humble, the Daka and the Shval Ruach. In other words, Hashem lifts up those who are humble. But the other one said, either Rafuna or Rabchizda, the opposite, that Ani es Daka. It's not that I will lift them up to me, that I, Hashem, I dwell with them. I dwell up on high, and I also dwell with those who are humble. In other words, is it that humility helps the person elevate themselves? Does the person go up? Or, is it that if a person is humble, they have the power to bring godliness down here? Says the Gemara, It makes more sense to interpret that the greatness of humility isn't only, and we view this in Hasidus as a lower level, that the person is able to go up and to dwell with Hashem, so to say. The person elevates oneself, but the Iker, the main thing is no, that a person who is humble is so great that he manages to bring the Hashem, the godliness, together with him. He brings him down here. And how do we know that this is what happened? Hashem went over. Hashem left to the side all of the other mountains. And the Hashem decided to, to dwell with the Shechinam on Mount Sinai, it's not that Hashem made Har Sinai taller. Hashem brought the title all the way down on Har Sinai. In other words, that humility is so great, it doesn't only elevate the one who is humble. It gives that person the ability to draw godliness down into the world. Amar Rabbi Yosef says, Rabbi A person should learn to love humility. Midas Kainai, from the sensibility of Hashem, from the sensibility of our Creator, Hashem left to the side all of the other mountains and hills, and He only chose Mount Sinai because it's the lowest, because it's the lowest mountain. And here we have seven words that the Messiah Sashas takes out of the Gemara, but we'll read it anyway. And another example that the Gemara gives, that Hashem left aside all of the other good trees, and Hashem chose to reveal Himself, to reveal His where Basne in the thorn bush when he spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. And he didn't choose any other tree. Now, Ula Yeshleimer, the reason why we have this in parentheses is this is, there is a theme that we learn in Hasidis. For example, just recently in Chitas, we had this in the 25th chapter in Egeres HaKadosh, that Tal-Tareb is explaining the difference between Shechina and Hislapshus. That when Hashem is mislabish, when Hashem encloses himself in something lower, then that garment on one hand, has in it a lower level of godliness, but on the other hand, it unites with that godliness. And godliness is expressed through it, and it affects the garment. So there's a lower level, but there's a greater union between the lavush and the godliness in it. Shechina, hishra shechinasi means that Hashem is coming down, when you compare Shechina to Islapshus, and the, the godliness of Hashem is not at all really interacting with that keli, it's just revealing itself through it. 
and that allows a higher level of godliness to come down, but the, the lower level, the keli, is not really connecting with the Shekhinah. It's not affected by the Shekhinah. Now, we find a lot in Hasidus this mashal, that by the snare, the Torah says, that nothing happened to the thorn bush. That's more the concept of Shekhinah being revealed. So there was, a, there was a certain level of godliness that was revealed. It took a form of a fire. That point, the point of connection was the sneh, but the sneh was not affected at all. By Har Sinai, there was a greater <clears throat> level of godliness coming into the world, that the world already interacted with that level of godliness. Because it says, by Har Sinai, Har Sinai, Oshan Kuloi, that the mountain was smoking. We don't find that by the sneh. Which means that, that, that this godly fire already connected with the mountain, which is, which is a greater level of drawing godliness so close to us that that level of Kedusha actually affects the physical part of the world. And that example is found more by Har Sinai. We don't find that example by the Sneh. And the Gemara is trying to emphasize the greatness of humility. So the only example for that is Har Sinai. So the humble person doesn't only allow for godliness to work through him or her, but they actually become united with, they become more like a lavush to the Shekhinah. Continues the Gemara. Amen. Anyone who has in him or in her hoardiness, they should be cut down like a asheda, like an idol, like a tree that was planted to be used in idol worship, like an idol. And as Rashi points out, that the point of cutting down something like an idol, so Rashi says, I'm just reading the words in Rashi, it's around 10 lines above where we are. That when you cut down a asheda tree, it's not enough for you to cut it down from the earth and above. You have to go into the ground and you have to take out its roots. You have to uproot it. So it's even more. You have to, that, that, that person should be cut down, uprooted like an asheda. As it says over here, that the hakoima giduim, that the, the, the ones who are lofty should be cut down like, and the word that's used here is giduim. We'll see the words giduim is used in reference to cutting down an idol. And it says over there, in Devarim, va'asherehem tigadeyun. That we should cut down, as Rashi says, really, uproot, completely take away from its root a asherah tree. Continues the Gemara If a person is arrogant, ein aforoi ninor. This person's earth, this person's remains will not be steered, will not be shaken up in the beginning of the time of the resurrection. In other words, they won't get up by the resurrection. As it says, Hokitsu, that wake up, Verananu, and seeing, Shoichnei offer those who dwell in the, in the ground. So we're going to read this Gemara the way the Mesoides Hashas amends it to Shoichnei Be'ofer Loinamar. It doesn't say that who's going to be woken up, who will be singing, the ones who dwell, the ones who live in the earth, meaning the ones who passed away. It doesn't say that. It says shoichnei offer without the base. The ones who dwell, earth doesn't work. It must be the people who are a shachan to, the people who are neighbors to, the people who are like 
humility. They're like the earth. People that are humble, these will be the people that will get up by the resurrection. Someone who became a neighborly like, he became similar to Afar, a Shaykhnei Afar, that person will get up. And if not, God forbid, the person will not be stared. A person who is arrogant, Shechina, Mialeles, Olaf. Mialeles mean we have this Nelashen right by the Shoifer, that the Shechina is going to lament. The Shechina cries for that person. Shenemar, as it says, that Vigovoya, Mimerchak, Yeyeda. Vigovoya means the one who's really lofty, referring to Hashem. From the distance, from the distance, Hashem cannot be together with the arrogant. So the arrogant person pushes God to the dis- distance. And what does Hashem do? Yeyeda doesn't mean to know. Yeyeda means to lament, to cry. Come and see. The human nature is that a person who is on, or he thinks he or she is on a higher uh, social step, who do they interact with? with people who they think are in their same loftiest place. Someone who considers himself lofty will not socialize or interact with someone who's lowly. But Hashem is the opposite. The attribute of Hashem as he reveals himself to us is that Hashem is the true lofty, lofty one. But who does Hashem notice first? He sees the humble. As it says, Kiram Hashem, that Hashem is Ram. Hashem is lofty. But the shuffle Yira, who does he see? The shuffle, the despondent, the one, as we said before, that is of lowly spirit. If a person has in him, her, arrogance, haughtiness, who declares Hashem, you and I cannot live together in the world. As it says, that he who slanders his neighbor, meaning in secret, him I'll cut down. The beginning of the Pasuk is speaking about the negative effects of slander, of Lashon Hara. But now the Pasuk continues, someone who is a hori in his eyes, this is one of the expressions of hoardiness, and or a chavlevov, someone who has a negatively expansive heart. Here God says, I cannot bear him. So says this interpretation, don't say, him I can't bear. I cannot be with him. It's either him or it's me. People say that this verse, that God cannot tolerate the arrogant, doesn't only refer to the arrogant one, that the, the end of the Pasuk that we change to Itoi also refers to Amasapri Lashon Hara. As the Pasuk begins, that whoever slanders his neighbor, the definition of slander is he does it, he does it in, in hidden, he does it in secret, that him, God cuts down. Amar Rabbi Alexandria says Rabbi Alexandria, Kaladim Shish Regasa Saruach. If a person is arrogant, Afilu Ruach Kima, even a light wind, Oichartoi will agitate him. People who are humble and think life happens good and what appears challenging, a person says, okay, that's life. 
I'm not the biggest tzaddik to have such an easy, uh, such an easy life. But people that are arrogant are constantly filled with complaints. It's foolishness. How, why did God do this to me? Why did God allow that to happen to me? So any little thing that goes wrong for them, they feel completely agitated. And this is as it says in the Pasuk, that the that the wicked, and the wickedness here refers to arrogance, is kayom nigrosh. They are driven like the sea. What does it mean they are driven like the sea? That the water, the sea, that is filled with many quarters of a lake. Many, many quarters of a lake. Nevertheless, ruach kimo ichartoi, a little bit of wind agitates the water. As Rashi says, that when the little bit of wind is blowing on the sea, all of the mud and the dirt and the tit that's in the bottom can be thrown up and mixed in the waters. The waters get very murky. Adam, a person, she'en by is damachas, a person who only has one quarter of a log of dam. We just learned this in Masechtas Nazir, right? A Pasuk in Emoir, where it says that the alkal is meis loy avoy. And we learned from over there, remember, that uh, the corpse tuma, that the corpse that couldn't be metama, not only by touch or by carrying, but even by tumas oil, if we are under the same covering as a mace, we become tame. And that doesn't only mean the entire corpse. Even if there's only one revi'is of a log of blood that left the corpse after they died. If I am under the same roof as that revius, I'll become tame. Why is a revius of dam metame betumas meis? Because we have this halacha lomeshu misinai that a person can live, the person's nefesh, a person can survive if they even only have one revius of dam. So therefore, halachically, al we look at a person, how much liquid, liquid do we have in us? One revius of a like. That if we, who only have one revius of dam, a little bit of wind, will completely agitate us. Allah has come of a kamom. A very famous statement that a Torah scholar, Tzarech Shiyabai, after we spoke about the terrible detrimental effects of the bad attribute of being arrogant, says Rabchia Barashi, in the name of Rav, that a Talmud Chacham, that a Torah scholar, a Tzadik, Tzarech Sheyehei needs to have in him or in her Echad Mishmaina Bishminis, one of an eighth of an eighth. Oh, you don't ask, this is one of the most famous statements that we have that are quoted many times. So literally, literally, the way Rashi learns this, he's actually saying that a person has to have a very small amount of arrogance in oneself. And as Rashi says, first of all, Rashi interprets Mishmaina Bashminis. This is the first wide Rashi. Rashi uses, an, he brings a measurement called a Uchla. An Uchla is an eighth of a leg. However, people, other commentators, amend this Rashi here, or they challenge Rashi here, because they understood from the Gemara one-eighth of an eighth, an eighth of an eighth is really one and sixty-four. The Marsha says that and many others. It's an eighth of an eighth. It's eight times eight. And what's the secret of 64? We'll get there in a minute. So first of all, Rashi says, A person has to have a Talmud Chacham, has to have a certain amount of arrogance. Because if a person is going to be utterly humble, if he is going to say, express, share his opinion, people will laugh at him. So he has to have enough backbone or he has to have whatever Rashi calls here a little bit of arrogance for his opinion to be listened to. 
That's the literal meaning. That's in order for him to be effective on listeners. Now, if confidence, see, confidence, to say that gaiva is confidence is not, is, not a, is not a good correlation. So actually, not a good correlation. It's not about confidence. But if let's use the word gaiva. The kalerish is not on him. That I have an ob- you have an obligation to affect your surroundings. If a person is going to be completely humble, then their ability to affect their surroundings will be diminished. So the little bit of gaiva, let's just stick to the word gaiva, that one needs for one's words to be heard, that is an amount of gaiva that you should have. Let's leave it open because the more we say, the more in trouble we'll get into. First of all, uh, let me say like this, what we could say. That the Marsha says over here, Interestingly, even though that when you read the Gemara, he is saying, Rav is saying, a little bit of gaiva. Later we're going to learn that Nachman bar Yitzchak that argues with it. He says, loy minah, and reloy so none of it. So it appears that he is saying that you should have gaiva. Many of the commentators here already explain that one in eight in eight, one in 64 also means to have nothing. How do they interpret it that way? First of all, the word gas, gas ruach. Gas is, 80, is 63. And Bechal, we find in Halacha the concept of Bittel. Bittel actually in Hasidus is the, is the antidote, is the opposite of Gaiva. But Bittel means that, for example, if we have a certain quantity of non-kosher food, and let's make it the opposite, you have a quantity of kosher food, and a little bit of non-kosher falls into the pot, so if there are 60 against it, it's nullified. But to make it clear, 60 against it means that there are 60 of kosher, and this additional amount is 61. In other words, it's 1 out of 61. If it would be taco 1 out of 60, it would not be nullified. That's to be 60 times good against the bad. It has to be 120 plus 2, 122. So he's saying like this, that gas is 63. He wants a person to be completely nullified. What's not completely nullified? If you, the most that can be tolerated is 1 in 64, which is such a small amount that it's completely bottled. There's also a good word I heard from Yosef Grossman. He says when you do the math, when you take the table of 8, the higher the number, the lower the result. So 8 times 1 is 8. That's 8. 8 times 2 is 16. What is 1 in 6? 7. 7 is less. 8 times 3 is 24. What is 2 and 4? 6. And, and he goes down to 8 times 4 is 32. 32 is 5. And as you go higher, and you add up the numbers, you're going to get to a lower number. 64 is the lowest number, because 8 times 8 is 64. 6 and 4 is 10. 1 and 0 is 1. In other words, that a Talmud Chacham should know the opposite, that the greater a person gets, the more tighter you learn, the more humble you are. That's what he meant to say, that you're a Talmud Chacham. So if that's the case, then you should take be 1, the 64. You should have the least... Amount of arrogance, which is the way word, the world really works. Huh? Whose word is that? I heard it from Rabbi Yisab Grossman. It's a good word. Ayid, atamut Right. And it's only in the table of eight. Right. That this, let's learn it the way Rashi learns. That this little amount of uh, arrogance, of gaiva, crowns the person. Kisasa like 
Again, like the beard on the stalk, here it means in a positive way, that just like a stalk learns, it looks even nicer, it's crowned with a little bit of that shaft, that that little amount of arrogance, of gaiva, is good for the Talmud Chachem. Omar Rava says, Rava, that the shamta, the ispe, that people shun those who are filled with arrogance. Likewise, ubeshamta the lesbe, people equally shun someone who's utterly humble. Again, backing up this idea, whatever it means, this little amount of gaiva, that a little bit is needed if a person is in the position, if the person should be in the position of influencing one's surroundings. However, not like he said, not echad mishmaina bishminis, none of it, not a little bit of it. Is it little to you that which it says, that it's the abomination of God, those who are arrogant? So, therefore, no arrogance, no abomination. Here in the positive, a person's prayer will only be heard if one will make oneself soft like flesh and not hard like Adam, like Adama, not hard like the earth. As it says, that who is going to come to Hashem? Yovi called Basar, that those who are like Basar will come and bow down to Hashem, etc. Rabzeda says that Basar, in the Parshas Mitzayda, when we're speaking about a person who becomes a halachic leper, there, when the Titus prescribing everything that happens if and when the signs of leprosy goes away. So the word venirpa is written when the Pasuk is using the word basar. But venirpa, by basar, it says venirpa. But by Adam, like Sivba, venirpa. As Rashi points out, if you want to quickly look in the bottom, in the middle of the white lines, basak sivbe venirpa, basak ki yeba the Pasuk says the words venirpa. However, Adam kiyia ba'ayr psari negatzoras or kisiya ba'adam vir like siv b'chad binayu v'nirpa. No, Adam means kasha ka'adama. When a person is arrogant or hard, they won't be healed. Only when a person becomes soft, which is connected to humility, then they are open to healing. Amr Rabbi Yechinon, back in the Gemara says Rabbi Yechinon that Adam, as you see, is an acronym. It's a Rashi Tevois for the following words: Afar dust. Dam, blood, and mara is the bile that leaves the liver. Likewise, basar is also an acronym for the words busha, shame, surucha, foul. Now, don't forget that basar is written with a sin. Surucha is written with a samach. They sound alike, but it's a different letter. Rima means worms. So if a person is going to contemplate that what is, what is Adam? I'm pashat slowly, I'm dust, and I'm blood, and I'm, and I'm bile, a person will be humble. Likewise, what is basar? Busha, srucha, rima, that brings to humility. However, Ikeda Amri, other people did not like this, the sin of basar to be used for the word srucha because, like we said, sin and samach are not the same letters. So they go to sha'oil, means the grave, right? Dechsev, it's written with a shin, but the first opinion didn't like that either because sha'oil is written metashin. Right, basar is written with a sin. So the question is, what's a better modification? It's not perfect. So is it better to go from a, from a samach 
from a sin to a samach or from a sin to a shin. Amar Ravashi says, Ravashi, Kolodam, if a person has in him arrogance, at the end that person will be diminished. Shenemar, as it says, that turning to that, hey, Yomad Beis, Vilaseis, Vilasa Pachas. Again, these are words that are written in the parsha of the Mitzayra. The word Seis is a distinct shade of white that will render the person when the coin sees him and declares that person is a Mitzayra. But then the word Sapachas, Sapachas, as Rashi says, Sapachas is a subcategory of, 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 a, of a category. So homiletically, we're going to say, as we'll read in a moment, the word se'ez is, comes from the word hoardiness, as it says, a pasuk that associates loftiness in a negative way. Hoardiness with the words so the ain sapachas, the word sapachas means tfela. It's a subsidiary. It's a it's a it's a subcategory. As it says, that here the navi was notifying Eli Hakoyan that in the future Hashem is going to take away the kohuna gadoila from his family. They were cursed, and it's going to go to other groups. And your descendants are going to have to plead with one of the other 24 groups of Kahanim, let me join your group. Means you're going to go from being the most hush of the Kahanic family to someone who's going to be pleading, you know, attach me to one of the groups to eat bread. So what's the word? That if a person is going to be Se'ez, a person is going to be Hori, so then the Sapachas, then that person is going to be attached to, the person is going to become humbled. Come and see how great is humility in front of Hashem. When the temple is standing, if a person brings a carbon oil, then what reward does that person get for bringing an oil? But not more. If a person brings a mincha, however, if a person is humble, then my It's considered as if that person offered to Hashem all of the sacrifices, as it says in Tehillim, that What are the zifchei loshen rabim? What are the sacrifices that we offer to Hashem? Ruach nishbara, a broken and humbled spirit. That person's prayer will never be despised. As it says, that a broken and a crushed heart, Hashem will never despise or ashamed that prayer. The word Shum comes from the word Shuma. Shuma means to appraise. Appraising, Rashi says, look inside Rashi, it's around four lines or five lines going down from the narrow lines from the top. Mechashev, Hefzid, Mitzvah, Kenegat Whoever is going to calculate the loss of a mitzvah with its gain. Says this Fasemes, that we had this Gemara Moed Katan, as he writes in the Mesaida Sashas. And over there, we, the Gemara speaks about a Talmud of Rabbi Yanai that always asked a lot of questions when Rabbi Yanai gave a class. However, there were certain times in the year when the Talmud was quiet. 
When was the Talmud quiet? Whenever Rabbi Yanai was teaching Shabbos before Yom Tif, as is the halacha, that you have to teach the halachis of the Yom Tif before the Yom Tif. And during those classes, many more people came than usual. There, the Talmud was quiet. Why was the Talmud quiet, the Gemara says? Because the Talmud wanted to learn for himself. He wanted to acquire knowledge. But since there was many people there, if the teacher, Rabbi would not know the answer, so it's not that he was speaking to his Hamish crowd and he wouldn't feel ashamed. He would get ashamed. So he decided that for Rabbi for his Rebbe, not to feel ashamed, that is more important than for him knowing. That also is connected to humility. In other words, whoever is Hashem or Chaysov, whoever appraises what he does, and he uses humility as his guiding light. So I'm secondary. I'm humble. The Talmud says it's not about me knowing. It's firstly about the Rebbe not getting ashamed. And even if it means I'm going to lose out, better for him not to get ashamed than for me to know. So then, that person will see the salvation of Hashem. Shenemar, as it says, and here the Pasuk is read with the sin, that v'sam derech arenu, then, the word sum means whoever sets, like the put down. That for some derech, that the person who sets the way is arenu, that person will see in the salvation of Elikim. So says the Gemara, I'll take care of v'sam, elo v'sham. And again, this shuma is connected to humility. Well, it's written v'sam. But then we have the, 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 the drush, I'll take care of v'sam, elo v'sham. No, some that. You look it up. No, you did. You don't remember. Okay, now we ended the sugya of humility, and and we're back in the Mishnah. So when the Mishnah was speaking out, the Mishnah began. Kate said Mikanola, how or what is the warning comprised of, and afterwards, subsequently, what will the stira, the seclusion, be comprised of? So the Mishnah began with what it's not. So the Mishnah says that if a man warns his wife don't speak with a certain individual and she spoke with him, that's not an issue. So really, as we already learned it in the Mishnah, there's like a chasura mechsara. We have to add words in the Mishnah. So ask the Gemara, kasha. Pasha, the question and the answer don't go together. Omar, you asked, you said, the Mishnah began saying, the Mishnah says, Ketzad Mekanallah. The Mishnah didn't say Ketzad is not a kinoi. What's not a kinoi? The Mishnah began by saying, what is the warning? And on this, the Mishnah says, if a man tells his wife in front of two people, Al don't speak Now, by the way, the word don't speak, sometimes speech can be a euphemism for having a relation. But obviously, that's not what the Mishnah meant, because then the flow won't work. So if he's telling you don't speak with that individual... That's, that's the beginning. So it seems, Alma dibur stiro. That, you know, don't speak is leading up to the act that will make her into a saita. In other words, if she will speak, she will become a saita. But then it says right away, for Tani, that dibra imai, that even if she did speak to him, and there are witnesses to that, adain muteris labesa. She's still allowed to be with her husband. And if she married a kain, she's allowed to eat truma. Alma dibur leklumu. So as Abaya says, Hachi Ka'amar. Hachi Ka'amar means Chesuda Mechsada. It means speech. Because if it would have meant an act of, of, of if it's a euphemism, then there would have been Aser. More than, than she's a Saita Vadai. 
So Abai is actually going to give you three scenarios, not one, three scenarios where she's not a Saita. And only in the fourth scenario will she become the Saita Suffolk. What are the three scenarios that will not render her into a Saita? If he tells his wife, Al-Tadabri, don't speak to that person, and she spoke to him, that's not a Saita. Option number two, if, she, if a man tells his wife, Al-Tadabri, not a euphemism, don't speak to a person, and she even has seclusion with that person, she's not a Saita, because he did not warn her not to be secluded with him. She only told him, don't speak to him. Or the third case, if she tells, if a man tells his wife, Altistity, don't be secluded, and she only spoke to him, Vidibri Imai. In all of these three cases, then no effects of becoming a Saito Safi goes into play. However, if if he warned her, don't be secluded with that individual. And then she did go into a place of seclusion with that man. And as we learned yesterday, right? etc. So then this is the case where she's a Saita and and that's where she cannot eat Truma. We're going to learn later on that in the Pashas of Saita, the Torah uses the word three times even where she's a Saitosafik, Venitma, Venitma, Venitma. So Chazal learned that when she becomes what we call a Saitosafik, meaning we don't know that she had a relation, but we have this legal, this halachic doubt that she might be an adulteress, then Venitma, Venitma, Venitma means from then on she's Asur Labal, she's Asur Labayil, and she cannot eat Rumo. And then that is where she has the option as we'll learn soon, of her drinking the mei hamarim. And if she does it, so then she becomes permitted to be with her husband. Right. And she's permitted to eat truma if she survives it. It may, then the Mishnah continued. The last line in the Mishnah was that if she becomes a soita safek, right? In other words, again, there wasn't even one witness that testified that she had an actual relation with him. But we have this legal suspicion. So then the Mishnah says, if then the husband dies... And he had no children, if in the case where there was no children, and he has a paternal brother or brothers, normally the din of Yibum will go into effect. Here the Mishnah says, no, that there is no obligation of Yibum, but on the other hand, she has to do Chalitza. So says the Gemara, Amai. The Gemara's question is, why should she not do Yibum to Siabim Nami Yabume? Let her actually do Yibum with the brother. In other words, she... There are no witnesses that said that she actually committed adultery. Had she had committed adultery, then she becomes an erva, and not the husband, nor the husband's brother will have to do yibum, nor will they have to do chalitza. But since chalitza is needed, and as we learned a lot in the Sechtas Yivamis, that chalitza and yibum, they travel on the, cha- on the same track. In other words, they normally go together. Wherever there is a need for chalitza, there is an option of yibum. Wherever there's no need for Yibum, like, for example, if Reuven and Shimon, two brothers, Shimon married Reuven's daughter, for example, which is permitted, and then the husband dies, so the brother cannot do Yibum because the wife of his brother is his daughter. So the din there is, not Yibum is needed, nor Chalitza is needed. So I asked the Gemara, if Chalitza is needed, then why isn't Yibum needed? So for this, the Gemara gives three answers. Two of the answers we'll learn today, 
And Emir Hashem, the third answer will be on Davav. So answer number one, Omar Rabbi Yosef. And now we're quoting a Pasik in Parshas Kiseitse in Chumash Devarim. That Pasik is the source of a get, which will be the theme of next Masechta. And there the Pasik says that Kiikach Ishisha, etc. That in, that the Torah says that if Loisim Tzachein Be'enov, Ki Matzaba Ervas Davar, that if a man will no longer see grace in his wife because he found in her something of an erva. So there the Pasuk says that v'yotza, that he should divorce her, and she leaves him, v'yotza mi beisai. Now let's start reading the words of the Gemara. And v'halcha v'chaisa And she can go and get married to another man. Now the Gemara here is going to pick up on the extra word acher. The Torah could have said a man divorces her, and after she's divorced, then v'yotza mi beisai. And she can get married to a ish. Why are we saying the words acher? So the Gemara is going to say that this Pasuk is actually speaking about this suffix Saita, this woman. That she had a forewarning. And then she was secluded. And then the husband died. And the husband left a paternal brother. So on here the Torah says le'ish acher that she's only allowed to marry another man but she cannot marry a yavam. So it's based on a pasuk. In other words, the suspicion of her committing adultery is so strong that it makes her prohibited to be with her husband's brother. Amar Abaya, well, if that's the case, as we spoke out, it should be on the same track. If the trade is telling you that she cannot do yibum, then why would she need chalitza? So Rabbi Yosef responds the following. If the husband wouldn't have died and she becomes a suffix soita and let's say he doesn't want to give her the water to drink. What's the din? We spoke that out. Is me boy a get? Do they not need a get? In other words, just because she committed adultery it doesn't mean that they're not connected. There is a bond between the husband and his wife. And that can only be severed by giving of a get. Now that the husband died and the brother is in his place, just like the husband, the original husband, would need to do something to sever the bond, so the brother, the Yavam, also needs to do something to sever the bond. And that's Chalitza. She would Let's just speak it out. Hashdanami tibaya chalitza. We need chalitza. And Astoisu speaks out that there is two things. There is an erva, which makes them not allowed to be together. She has a halach of an erva. And then there's an obligation to give a get. Sometimes an erva still has to get a get. However, since a site is a suffic erva, so let's play it out pashat halachically. Whenever you have a doubt, a toira doubt, we go luchumra. But we have to go luchumra in every scenario. So if the question is, can you do yibum or not? She might be an erva. And if she's an erva, she was not allowed to be with the husband. She's not allowed to be with the brother. So that's why you can't do yibum. On the other hand, she might not have been an erva. It's a suffolk erva. So if you don't, if she's not an erva, then she's not muteris l'shuk because she has a zika to the brother. So, which means she needs chalitza also. Because of the doubt, whatever, you have to always go stringently. Other people say that the answer that Rabbi Yosef gave to the question of why is she not eligible to Yibum? So says Rabbi Yosef, since the Torah says, Again, Rabbi Yosef quoted the same passage in Kiseitze. Why did the Torah say 
that if a man finds in his wife an ervas dover, he should divorce her. The trade is giving the man advice. Why should he divorce her? Deloy listed a lebesay for her not to destroy his house. Look at the last line of Rashi in this Amud, quoting, I think, in Abchizda and Avgimel Amud Beis, when we spoke about the power of the woman in her home, and he had this expression that Zenusa Bebeisa, that if a woman, God forbid, is committing adultery, is Kikaria Lishumshama. It's like a Kadia worm in a sesame seed. In other words, it completely destroys the house. So the trade is telling a husband that if you find in your wife an Ervas Dover, don't stay married to her. She's going to destroy your house inside out. So says the Gemara, what are you asking? What's your question? Why doesn't the brother do Yibum? If Hashem recommended for the first husband to divorce her, so what, we're going to now say that she should marry the second husband? There is a suspicion that she's an adulteress. So of course Yibum should not happen. So Abaya asks, one second, if that's the case, why don't we say that if a woman is suspected of committing adultery, or worse, if we know she committed adultery, there we just spoke out, Asr Labal, Asr Labayl, and Asr Lechel Betruma. But she can marry another person. How can she marry another person? Right? She's destroying her own house. If that's the case, La Nami Nasei. Why wouldn't that destruction apply to anyone? To anyone's. If you're saying there's no Yibum because she's, uh, she's a house wrecker, so how can she marry anyone else? So Rabbi Yisab answers, look to Davav, that's not a question. Is the trade of forcing any man to marry her? Not. So if another person wants to marry her, that's his choice. However, Yibum is not an option. Of course it answers the question. Why isn't there Yibum? Rabbi Yosef answers because she's a woman. That's a suspected adulteress. And the trader, why would the trader say that the husband's brother is bound to her, that he has to marry her? Why should he marry her? She's a homewrecker. I, why isn't she prohibited to marry anyone else? The trader so answers the Gemara. Another man is not obligated to marry her. Yibum is something that the trader obligates. The trader is not going to obligate the brother to marry her. If she's a suspected adulteress, another person does whatever he wants. If that's your choice, so then go sleep in the bed that you made. But that doesn't say whether she's going to write the homework. The question is why... Why isn't, there, why isn't there Yibum? Because Yibum is an obligation. The trader cannot put an obligation in a scenario where the first husband was going to divorce her. But the, and the, the brother has to marry her. doesn't work. That's the second answer and the third answer, the third version of his answer, Mitzvah Shem, tomorrow.